This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, this sucks. All right, guys, uh, welcome to another episode of the Focus Hunting Podcast. Uh, the Focus Hunting Podcast is part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. For more information on Waypoint, make sure you head on over to waypointtv.com. Okay, for this show, I'm doing a solo cast. I uh, said being, you know, middle of November, uh, mule deer is closed in some areas. Some areas, it's still open. Um, last year, I got uh, a late season mule deer. So I figured I'd just uh, I'd talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, hopefully you guys can take a few things away from it, what I did right, what I did wrong. I'm uh, not saying I'm the, the king of all mule deer hunters, but uh, last year worked out. I got my biggest muley to date, so uh, I just figured I'd share that with you. And if you guys can take anything away from it, uh, that's great. Um, if not, um, yeah, there's lots of good other podcasts out there that uh, you guys can listen to that I'm sure you can find something that you'll take away from it so you know one thing that i've learned about mule deer hunting other than the fact that you know they're my favorite critter to chase is that they're a pretty unpredictable and sly animal uh, i think that's you know one of the biggest things i love about them um you know one thing here i want to mention is that the stuff i'm sharing with you guys is stuff that's worked for me in the past um you know it worked on last year's hunt it's worked on previous hunts and it's worked for me in areas where I hunt and obviously the topography and everything else. Weather patterns are a little different in uh, an area that you guys are hunting. So, um, you know, this stuff worked for me in my area. So, you know, don't hold a gun to my head on this. Um, hopefully it works for you. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the thing I found about targeting big mule deer bucks is that unless you're hunting the rut, the weather's going to play a huge role in and where you locate these bucks, um, you probably heard people talk about uh, summer ranges, winter ranges. 
you know, you're mostly going to find like the bigger boys in the summertime, they're going to be up high for as long as they can. You know, they'll just be up there gorging on as much food as they can up there. They can, you know, stay, stay safe from predators and stuff. There's less going on up there. You know, it's not really until they catch, you know, scent of a doe heating up, um, which, you know, as you know, the temperature starts to drop, you're going to start to see that. But also as the temperature does drop, you're more likely to find some of these smaller deer moving down. Um, they'll cycle down, you know, where it's a little bit warmer and there's often they're going to find uh, the feeds easier to get to. So, you know, when you're planning a trip, the weather's going to play a huge role on on where you're going to find those those four-point deer or, or bigger. So if you're planning a hunt in, say, the middle of October, you should try to focus your efforts a little higher if you can. Uh, again, obviously... You know where you're hunting is is going to have a huge, huge impact on that, and you know Canada here, especially the middle of October. One thing I've uh, I try to watch out for that is you know um, sometimes we get an early cold snap and we'll get a big drift of snow. You know you you can find those uh, those bigger bucks have have moved down a bit, but um, you just got to be careful that if it warms up, um, you know they might head up to those southern facing slopes where where they're going to find more food and they just like it up higher. I think they feel safer up there. So, uh, but you know, now if you're hunting a rut, um, early to mid November, you know, the weather's not really going to make any difference. They're going to be horned up chasing those does. And I don't really think they give a shit about weather. Um, now later on, you know, around end of November, early December, there's a good chance you're going to find those bucks low. Um, in my experience, uh, in the late season, you know, they're going to be low and, and bagged out. So, uh, the thing I like about when it's colder is that the deer are fidgety. They're, they aren't going to be taking those long periods where they just lay down and stay down for hours on end. They're going to be up and down constantly. So locating them, if you're patient, should be easier than say in the hotter temperatures when they'll be moving around mostly at night. So yeah, you know, so for last year's um, late season mule deer trip I took uh well I planned for three days uh three to five days um so I it uh I planned to go hunting in an area where you know I knew there was some big bucks in there you know I had seen them in there previously so uh, it's not an area I was super familiar with but uh, like I said I knew they were in there and I talked to other people that have seen big bucks in there so um I knew they were in there so I figured I'd I'd try that area but uh maybe before I go into detail on how that hunt went maybe um i'll go over some of the other details of that trip um you know because the slow the snow levels were so low i just stayed in the back of my truck i've got a, a ford f350 pickup with a canopy on it so i just uh i just threw a foam pad in the back of of that and i used my rock water design sleeping bag which is you know it's rated for minus 45 so it was more than warm enough uh, i think it got down to like minus 10 at night so you know it was cold but it wasn't that bad i mean you know i slept in minus 22 in a wall tent so this is nothing like that so i also have one of those little portable stand up propane heaters um it's good it keeps the frost off well you know one of those little mr heaters that they just take those small green propane bottles um yeah that was that was good i stayed plenty cozy in there and you know for food i just packed a a cooler full of food meals that I could you know just make up their stuff that was super easy I don't eat a lot when I'm hunting so um, food's not a huge issue not as much as water anyway um, but 
you know one thing about hunting the late season is you have uh, a lot less daylight so um what i like to do is i'll download some movies to my phone or um some podcasts or ebooks uh i'll bring a book with me yeah uh just stuff to keep you keep you occupied um yeah anyways um so for meals i made pack meals you know the night before i was heading up just using my jet broil on the tailgate boiled some water um you know first thing in the morning too i i boil some water for coffee instant blacks the way i i go um then i'll just take take that water and i'll fill my water bottle up with hot water in the morning and and put it in my uh the large pocket of my jacket i'll also uh try to fill up a little thermos i have in my pack um water stays pretty hot in that thing actually for man up to like 12 hours so it's just good to have so i like to have hot water well i have the hot water in my water bottle just so i'm not packing around an ice cube after four hours plus it keeps me keeps me a little warm until i get moving so i run cold naturally so that helps um yeah it's also nice to have hot water up there if you you know when you're doing those long sits you can whip up a coffee or some hot chocolate or something um it's always nice and for gear, uh, you know, I typically run, uh, well, this year anyway, I run the Loa, Loa boot. Um, but for when I'm winter hunting, I, I use a pair of those Baffin soft shell boots. Um, those things are, they're bulletproof. They're completely waterproof and they're good up to like minus 20, um, you know, uh, and they're a size bigger, which I, I like to go in with my winter boots. It just helps keep my, uh, my feet warm. I, uh, I run like merino socks underneath and then throw a pair of thicker wool socks, keep my feet warm. I've always had a problem with my feet whenever I, uh, it's good if I'm, I'm walking around, hiking around, but once I sit down for any length of time, I start glassing, my feet tend to get a little cold. So, um, yeah, I find as long as I'm running, running these are, they're pretty good. So, um, yeah, I also like to keep uh, a pair of crampons in my backpack. If you guys don't know what those are, those are those rubber cleated slip-on um they go over top your boots it's great to have have a set of those they got little spikes on them they're really good if you're trekking on slippery ice and snow um yeah i use the yada life ones they're uh they're pretty good man they have a little little bungee that goes over top your feet so they don't fall off like those cheaper ones so uh yeah um and for base layers i just use a a set of thick synthetic base layers yeah the only thing that is kind of a bummer about thicker base layers when you are moving around and if you're trekking through unbroken snow it it's pretty tough so chance of sweating is a little greater but you just got to be smart with your uh with your base layer systems if you guys are familiar with john barklow if you're not make sure you head over to his web page he's got uh he's got tons of good information on on proper laying systems and uh I'll put, uh, I'll, well, I mean, he's been on my show. You guys know how to, how to reach him, but just look in the show notes of this this podcast, and uh, I'll put a link in there that just clicks you into to how to access all his stuff. He works for Sitka Gear, which is, you know, in my opinion, the the best gear. Um, that's what I, I use. I use it for years, and I love it, so um, that's, what I, that's what I roll with. Uh, I use the Timberland pant mostly in the wintertime, um you know they're just so durable and they got they're really quiet when you're moving and uh you know they they keep you plenty warm in the not very good in the like the september months or early bear hunting 
you'd have to downgrade to something a little lighter. Um, but, uh, you know, for this time of year, they're great. Um, and then I just run, uh, run a Stratus, Stratus jacket. Uh, it's got that winter camo that Sitka has. It's, you know, I'm, to be honest, I'm not much of a camo guy. I prefer the, the solids, but you know, this thing works and it, uh, it keeps, keeps me warm and, and keeps the wind off my back. So I also always carry the thicker incinerator jacket in my, in my backpack. I just have it in there. So basically when I get to where I'm going to be, I, I throw that on and, uh, it's waterproof and it's plenty warm. So it, it works good for those long sits. So yeah. Uh, last year I was running, uh, the Everstock transformer pack. I switched this year to the, to the, uh, mystery ranch pack. Uh, both great packs. Uh, obviously like anything, they have their pros and cons. Um, you know, the Everstock, the Everstock pack, you know, it's, uh, it's quiet. It's nice. It's durable as hell. It's a little heavier and it's not waterproof. So, uh, um, like the mystery ranch pack. So again, they have their pros and cons, but, uh, both great packs. Can't say anything really bad about either of them. So, um, yeah, and for headgear, I just, uh, you know, I rock a hat with a toque over top. I don't like wearing just a toque. I like the hat, the ball cap hat. It just keeps the snow and, and everything else off my face. So, um, yeah, gaiters is a must always. I typically wear gaiters uh, for most of the hunts. Maybe not as much in uh, in September, I think, the early season. I don't wear them just, I mean, it's so dry and hot, you don't really need them. So, but uh, in the wintertime and the fall, early spring too, they're, they're a must for me. Um, I run the, the storm castle by peaks. Um, you guys head over on to peaksequipment.com. You can, you can find, uh, you can find lots of stuff they have on there. And, you know, I can't really say anything bad about, about anything they got. I use their trekking poles or gators. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty much top notch stuff. Um, again, I'll leave a link on, on that up uh in the show notes here as well so you guys can just click on that check them out um yeah I, for last year i was running uh for optics i was running the razor 10 by 42 hd binos uh those are great binos super light this year i went with the uhd binos um but i don't know like i don't know if the uh if the clarity of the uhd outweighs the size and the weight compared to the HD. I mean, yeah, the UHD are, are a little, they're a little clearer. They let in a little bit more light, but, uh, I don't know. They're a lot bigger and they're definitely heavier than those, those nice compact 10 by 42. So, um, yeah, that's a coin toss. I mean, obviously the UHD are going to be more money. So I don't know. Uh, I think if I had to to go buy one set, I think I would go with just the 10 by 42 HD binos. Yeah, I think so. That's, you know, they're just for the price and, and those are great binos. And yeah, again, they're, those ones are just so small and compact and man, they're really nice. Um, Ranger 4000 range finder. That's always strapped to my harness, my FHF harness, uh, ran that this year. Don't really have anything bad to say about that thing. Um, yeah, this was, uh, last year was my first year with that, uh, 4,000 rangefinder thing. If you guys haven't had a chance to check that out, you should check it out. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty sick. Um, you could just go over to Vortex Canada 
check out their website, Google that, or go to vortexcanada.net, I think it is. Uh, check them out. It's pretty slick. Uh, again, you know, the, the razor glass from the Vortex, it's comparable with Swarovski. So I know a lot of guys are going to argue with me saying Swarovski's ice better. I mean, I don't know. Those are I'm not going to say they're not. I, again, it just comes down to, I think, money. Uh, Warranty is a big one. And, uh, and I mean, you know, once you get to the higher end of optics, I mean, my friends have Swarovski and we do Pepsi challenge tests on both of them. And I don't know, man, very little, little difference between, you know, the top end binoculars, whatever, or optics than that. In any case, um, you know, what you decide to go with, I think, I think, uh, I think it's fine. Um, yeah, but for me, you know, the Vortex, their VLP warranty uh is is something to be uh something to be argued with yeah but again uh, i know a lot of guys are saying they're just selling a warranty anyway we can go down and talk about this shit forever so uh anyway for this hunt uh last year i took my uh my savage high country 308 uh last year was the first year i used that gun again that that that's a pretty slick gun it uh it killed uh killed a lot of animals for me last year uh, it's a little bit on the heavier side. It comes in with that Vortex Razor Scope. I think around four half pounds it is. Um, so it's a bit heavy, but you know, it's a, when it comes to shooting, it's, it's a complete Cadillac. Um, and it looks super cool. Uh, it's got a synthetic stock and strata camo pattern. It's got a burnt copper finish with a spiral fluted barrel. So, I mean... Um, yeah, it's it's pretty neat. I mounted the the Vortex Razor 3x5 BDC on it. Again, if you're not familiar with that, just head on over to vortexcanada.net and you can check out all the stuff they got going on there. Um, yeah, I shoot the Federal Premium Rounds, the 168 grain. Um, I really like that that size. Um, 168 grain bullets, just a good all-around bullet. Um, so I just run that and I kind of just... Once I once I find something I like, I just I kind of stick with it. So I try not to try not to uh, deviate even from you know manufacturers. I've, I'm pretty uh, yeah. I don't know. I just always like to run the same bullet, same grain, same make, and in, in all my guns. So um, I always throw a piece of yellow yellow um, electrical tape over over my guns, and especially when it's late fall when it could be raining or or snowing. I don't know why yellow. It's just one of those superstitions I have. I got a lot of them. I don't know about you guys, but uh, anyway, back to the hunt. Um, I think it was late afternoon when I got up there, and my plan was to just wait for the morning and, and start looking for fresh buck tracks. You know, um, you know. Another thing is, uh, I'm not a fan of full moons. Um, I know a lot of guys would argue with me, but I've always found that on a full moon, and if it's clear, the animals are. It just seemed to me to be a little bit more active at night um, and less during the day. So I try to plan my trip when the moon's not, when it's not a full moon. Um, and I don't really like going out, like trucking through the bush when it's super dark. I always just paranoid about bumping something. So um, yeah, and then, you know, once I find some fresh tracks, I kind of just work those tracks moving slowly and glassing. You know, I'll walk 30 yards, um, glass. Um, then walk another 30 yards glass, really take my time. And, you know, kind of what I'm looking for when I'm glassing is a set of antlers that might be sitting up in a tree or a bush. So you got to really do your diligence and really scan those areas. Good. I mean, um, you know, in the past I've, I've spooked, 
you know, numbers and great big deer that, you know, just being too fast and aggressive and, um, you know, come up on them, they get up and run away and, you know, uh, they vanish and you never see them again. So, you know, I like to take it nice and slow and, you know, let my eyes do most of, uh, most of the work. Um, you know, if there's a bit of wind, uh, to hide your sound, I'll really use that to my advantage, you know, um, move slow, try to stay out of the loud snow if possible. I know that it's really an option, but, uh, if you have a bit of wind cover, uh, and again, you got to be smart. You got to play the wind. Um, so you want to be walking into the wind. You don't want to be walking with your wind to the back or to your back. Um, so, but anyway, you know, the, I find the, the wind really helps cover my sound. Um, so then, you know, if you're playing the wind right and you, and you do see him, you can, you can kind of make a plan, plan on them. Um, so, you know, I just work along more, more, you know, more moving slow and glass, um, you know, the way along and I kind of, you know, look for fresh tracks because, you know, like we're talking about those deers in the colder weather, they're not going to be laying down, at least I found anywhere, uh, anyway, um, they're not going to be laying down, um, they're going to be, you know, up constantly on the move. So, you know, the first day of that hunt, you know, I did get on a set of tracks. I remember, um, I followed them, followed them slowly all day. Didn't catch, uh, catch up to the deer in his tracks, but I knew he was around somewhere. So, you know, as the daylight faded, I, I just started to head back to my, to my camp. Uh, next morning I left a little bit earlier, still light enough. I could see, I remember, um, it was right around, you know, it was after legal shooting light, um, but you know, it was still dark enough, but, uh, light enough where I didn't need a headlamp. So, um, yeah, again, I, I just don't like trucking through the bush, especially with the light on. I can see that for miles. And if you're targeting one deer, you know, the chance of coming across him, um, you know, uh, are good or, or even the chance of coming across other deer and bumping them and, and them spooking the deer after. So, uh, I like to wait until it's, it's light enough. And then again, you know, just work my way slowly. And, and on that second day, I headed right back to the spot where I stopped the night before, um, which is along a tree long at the bottom of a slope and, uh, with some tall grass exposed in the, in the steeper, um, sections of the slope. So I posted up a little higher. I remember it was a nice day that day, no wind, but, uh, you know, you could feel the thermals working the way up. So, you know, I'm, I was fairly confident, uh, a deer would come out to feed on that grass, especially with the sun shining. So I think I was there for, I don't know, maybe two hours. And, and sure enough, I heard something just inside the tree line. So I, uh, I chambered around and, and got set and waited. And I'd say, man, it was about 15 or, or 20, 20 minutes and, you know, a nice, really nice four point stepped out. And, uh, I took one look at him and, and blammo, uh, he kicked and ran, man, 30 yards inside that tree line where I could see him. Uh, so I just kept my, <clears throat> kept my scope on him. I could see him in the thick trees. Um, you know, I couldn't tell by how thick the trees were, if he had, he had sat or if he fell down. So, uh, I waited a bit. I went back, actually, I think I went back to my camp and emptied out my pack and, and headed back. And, you know, this gave him, uh, gave him a bit of time to, uh, to die. So, uh, and then when I came back and, you know, I circled, I circled him. So, uh, you know, if that way, if he was going to get up again, it would force him to head out, uh, out of the trees and, and, um, 
you know, the slope was there, so I knew he wasn't going to run up the slope. So um, if I didn't need to get another shot, I knew exactly where he'd be going. So, um, but anyway, when I got back to uh, back to him, he was done. So, um, yeah, it was a great buck, my best, best buck ever. So, yeah, so anyway, guys, that's just a quick recap of my last year hunt. Um, don't know if there's anything you guys can take away from that hopefully there is um anyway uh, i got a few good guests coming up i got brian barney uh, from easton's elevated hunter mcwaters uh he's got a great podcast hunter's quest uh adam weatherby and uh and i got a couple other other good uh good shows coming up so hope you guys like those and hope you guys like the show and as always if you guys uh write me dm me on instagram focus under slash underscore hunting um let me know how your hunt's going what do you think of the show? I'll uh, I'll get you out a, a t-shirt and a sticker. Okay, guys. Thanks.